Got any better? Okay. All right, I think I was talking about the fact that children got shipped out from London to the countryside because of the German blitzkrieg. The Germans were continually dropping bombs on London, and many, many people were killed. In fact, so many parents were killed that the orphanages were overflowing. They had so many children to take care of that they couldn't do it well. And a mysterious thing happened in London during World War II. A lot of these children, infants and toddlers especially, who were in orphanages were dying. And they couldn't figure out why. The doctors used this annotation, FTT, failure to thrive. And what they discovered was, because the nurses in these orphanages were so busy, they would hand a bottle to the child. They didn't have time to pick them up and hold them, to play with them, and children literally died for lack of love. Now, as we get older, we don't die from lack of love physically, but our emotional health, our mental health, really comes from giving and receiving love. The third chapter of Ephesians tells us where that love is to be found, the great source of love. Listen to the word of God as we find it in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This passage tells us that the love of Christ transforms us, and it can transform all of our relationships. Christ's love always is initiated by him, and we respond. My uh, good friend Art Lindsley, talking about C.S. Lewis, he was for many years the scholar-in-residence at the C.S. Lewis Institute in Virginia. And he and his wife Beth have two sons. Uh, back in the day, uh, their four-year-old Zachary was a handful Beth, Art's wife, had set the dining room for a very formal dinner. They were going to have some friends over, and she had everything just so, and she told the boys, stay out of the dining room. Well, Zach was running, ran into the dining room, and hit the table, 
and water glasses spilled all over the tablecloth that Beth had just ironed. And she was furious. She ran after him, but Zach was resourceful enough to know that he could run under the, the uh, porch and hide under the house. Beth let, let him stay there and waited until Art came home. And she said, you need to go and give your son a talking to. So Art put on some grubbies. He crawled under the house and the foundation, and when he reached Zach, Zach said, is she mad at you too? <laughs> Art uses that example to talk about the prevailing view of God when the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians. The Greeks viewed God as powerful and angry. If you read the Greek myths, you see that petulant anger that Zeus and the other gods are all ready to pounce upon human beings. The Jewish view at the time of Paul was that God was powerful but distant. He was unknowable. But then with the coming of Christ, Christianity shattered that worldview. Because in Christ, we see that God is indeed powerful, but God comes near. And furthermore, that God is love. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us with a love that comes to us before we even understand it. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loves us. And because the love of Christ is initiated in our lives, he calls those of us who know him to also be initiators of love. When we were in Northwest Presbyterian Church in Dublin, Ohio, my good friend Doug Wyatt hosted a men's Bible study every Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock. It was one hour, 7 to 8, so that everybody could get to work. <coughs> Excuse me. Doug was in a grocery store, and he was in a long line behind a guy that he didn't recognize. Now, Dublin, Ohio is a suburb of Columbus, and it's about the same size as Thomasville, and Doug and his wife Jenny had lived there a long time. And so he said to the guy, hey, are you new in town? I don't recognize you. And sure enough, the guy, his name was Jeff Kolacek, and he said, yeah, I'm here for a temporary assignment. My company sent me here to uh, do an assignment for three months. My family's in Indianapolis, and I'm all here by myself. And Doug said, well, would you like to meet some other guys? Jeff said, sure. So, well, I have a Bible study at my house on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock. And Jeff said, I don't have a Bible. Doug said, no problem. We'll provide a Bible with you. You won't have to say anything if you don't want to. Just come. And he gave him directions to the home. And sure enough, Jeff came. He started coming to church. He received Christ as his Lord and Savior and I had the privilege of baptizing him. His wife and children came from Indianapolis for the baptism. Imagine the results of somebody taking the initiative in a grocery store to reach out to somebody he didn't know. 
that family would have a ripple effect, perhaps for generations. The love of Christ initiates, and it's a love without limits. Our society sees love and power as incompatible. Some time ago, I read a, an article that one of the elders in my church gave me from the Wall Street Journal. It was called The Bedroom and the Boardroom. And the thesis of the article was that if a male and female executive fell in, fell in love, one of them had to be transferred because love in the boardroom disrupts the power structure. Love is seen as a weakness. The loving person is soft-headed and soft-hearted. So that's exactly the opposite of the way the love of Christ is portrayed in this passage and, in fact, the way the love of Christ is. Paul says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Love is the most powerful thing in the universe. John Stott, in his commentary on Ephesians, writes this, The love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all of mankind, long enough to last for all eternity, deep enough to reach the most depraved sinner, and high enough to exalt him to heaven. One of the greatest examples of that love without limits is a guy that I know named Shad Williams. Shad was a rocker. Uh, he was the lead singer in Shad and the Kings. That was a group that was very popular in Memphis. <clears throat> Excuse me. They went to sing at a, a sorority at Rhodes University, and Shad saw a girl. He said to one of his bandmates, that's going to be my wife. And in fact, Sheila who was there, became his wife six months later. They decided to get married in a church because both of their families were churchgoers, even though Shad and Sheila had no faith, didn't go to church. They found the closest church, and it was a Baptist church. The Reverend Don Milam was the pastor, and he talked to them about their faith, and they admitted they didn't have any. And Don said, you know, normally... I don't marry people who aren't Christians, but I'm going to make an exception in your case. If, if you will allow me to share my faith with you and to talk about Christ in the wedding service. They agreed to that. They were married. And for the next two years, Don would go and visit them periodically, share the gospel. They would be polite Thanks for coming, but no thanks. Two years later, Shad was about to break into the big time. He'd written a song that uh, was a top ten hit. Some of you oldies like me might remember, Come Back When You Grow Up, Girl. Uh, that was written by my friend Shad Williams. And Columbia Records offered him a very lucrative contract as a soloist. As he was considering that, Reverend Don came and shared the gospel, and this time 
the Spirit of God convicted Shad and Sheila, and they came to faith. He said goodbye to music. He went to seminary. And for the last 50-plus years, Shad and Sheila Williams have led global field evangelism. Their motto is, we go to them. They go to the most remote areas of the world where people have never seen a white person, where people have never heard the gospel. They train, they've trained over 800 national pastors to follow up their meetings. And in the last year, Shad preached to over one million people. They believe that in its history, global field evangelism has led more than 25 million people to faith in Christ. All because one pastor had perseverance. He believed that if he continued to lovingly share the message, it would make a difference. He saw something special in this couple. Christ's love has no limits, and it is a love that does far more than we could ever imagine. I talk about that Bible study back in uh, Dublin, Ohio. I, I love this group for a number of reasons. Guys really got into the scriptures and shared at a deep level, and mostly I loved it because I didn't have to lead it. They took turns, and I was able to just be a participant and, and share whenever I felt like it. Well, at one of the studies, this was several years after Jeff was with us, there was a new guy. His name was Larry, and he had something to say about everything. You know, most people might comment here and there in the study, but he just talked and talked and talked, and frankly... I was really turned off. I didn't like the guy. My first reaction was super negative. I came back to my office, and my big thought was, I hope he doesn't come back. Okay? And then God's Spirit really convicted me. Jesus says to love our enemies. This guy's not my enemy. He's just an overly talkative new Christian. Lord, forgive me, please, and change my attitude toward Larry. 30 minutes later, I get a phone call from Doug Wyatt. Dave, I just talked to Larry Kuhn, and he said he was so tremendously impressed with you. You're a pastor, and you didn't feel like you needed to say a lot in the study. The guy was a genius. He had spiritual discernment and saw true character. <laughs> well, I determined at the next study to sit with Larry to get to know him, and he is one of my dearest friends. He leads the evangelism ministry of Northwest Presbyterian Church. <clears throat> he and his wife Tammy started Hebrews, the coffee ministry of that church, they are the most wonderful 
representatives of Jesus Christ that you could imagine. God does way more than we can ask or think. And our first reactions really need to be tempered. Let me share a deeper example. I spoke once at a conference for a Presbyterian church outside of Pittsburgh at a beautiful camp, Jamonville. And at that retreat, there was a middle-aged couple who had a son named John who was 28 years old and who was profoundly handicapped. He was physically and mentally unable to do very much at all. Shortly after his birth, when it was obvious that there were major problems, a doctor told them, you would be wise to look for an institution in which to place him because if you try to keep him at home, he will destroy your marriage. He will require constant care. Well, they went to their pastor and to the church elders, and they said, would you counsel with us about this? Would you pray with us and give us your wisdom? They did. The church agreed to help out in the care of John, and they kept him with them for 28 years, and I imagine well beyond that. Every meal they fed him, they changed his diapers, they wheeled him everywhere he would go. I sat with him, knelt down next to his wheelchair, and he spoke in very halting terms, I love Jesus, and Jesus loves me. I couldn't speak. When that family talks about the love of Christ, people listen. Because they know what it is to be able to experience Christ's love more than they could have asked or thought when John was born. Jesus is in the business of exceeding expectations, of love beyond reason, of love everlasting. I love the fact that at the bottom of Elizabeth Mitchin's emails is Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Where do you need the love of Christ to transform your life and your relationships? Would you pray with me? Lord, we are thankful that we have come to know your love, that it has changed our lives, that you're in the process of transforming our relationships because of that amazing love. And yet your word tells us that your love surpasses knowledge. No matter how much we experience it, there's more to come. And of course, we will see the fulfillment of that love when we see you face to face. Lord Jesus, may your love overflow 
that we may take the initiative, even with strangers, to talk to them about you. Lord, may we experience that love without limits that does far more than we could ever imagine. We pray this in your strong and your blessed name. And let God's people say, Amen.